Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. So glad you're here with us today. And before we dive into today's message, let me tell you something that's really exciting. We as a church are six years old today. Isn't that cool? Very cool. So it was six years ago today, a team of us gathered down in the Realty Building down on State Road 100, and there was probably about uh, 30 of us that got together that day, and we had uh, been planning for months, working uh, for months to, to pull off our very first service, and we were praying Ephesians 3.20. We were praying that God would do infinitely more than we could ask or think. And I think one of the big prayers that morning was just that I wouldn't throw up all morning long because I was like so incredibly nervous. And God answered our prayer. Not only did I not throw up, uh, but God brought 300 people to our very first service. And uh, we've watched God do amazing things since then over the past six years. So get this, over the past six years, we've seen at least 349 people put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That is definitely worth celebrating. We've seen 139 people follow that up with baptism. We've taken 11 international mission trips and watched God do amazing things in our lives as we're serving people internationally. We've partnered locally with all kinds of organizations to to serve our community. And like you heard this morning, as Chris was talking about 3G Sunday. So we have that. We've watched that expand over the past few years. And we're, we're watching God do more than we could ever ask or think. And so I just wanted to start this morning by saying happy birthday uh, to us as a church family. And then I wanted us to pause and pray uh, for us as a family, as we're looking forward into the future of what God has in store yet as he works in us and through us. So let's just pause for a quick word of prayer. So Lord, I'm so grateful for your promise in scripture that you will build your church. Lord, this is your church. It's, It's not our church. We gather together because, Lord, it's something that helps us grow in our relationship with you and it helps us make an impact in our community. So, Lord, I pray again, Ephesians 3.20, that you would do infinitely more than we could ever ask or think. And, Lord, we're excited to watch the life change that that is going to continue happening in the lives of people in our community. I pray for more and more opportunities for us to build bridges in our community to, to help people cross those bridges and enter a personal relationship with you. Lord, I pray today, as we're talking about this, this issue of going into all the world, Lord, that, that you would challenge us deeply Lord, that we would be shaken to the core of our being and we would leave here different with a determination to help people find you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you're new with us, today we are ending a series that we've been in over the past number of weeks together called The 5G Life. And this series is about spiritual growth. It's about how do we grow from where we are to where God wants us to be. That's the goal that God has for all of us. If you're a Christ follower, God's goal for you is that you grow to be more like Jesus. And I think most of us understand that we're not like Jesus. We we understand that we're not born like Jesus. Um, Anybody ever have a a little baby and you think it's an angel from heaven until it turned two? Yeah, like, oh, it's an angel from heaven. And then, oh my goodness, (laughs) please take it back. So we know we're not born spiritual. 
There are things that we need to do in order to learn how to, to become more spiritual and learn how to become more like Jesus. And that's what we've been trying to learn. What are those things? And as we've been studying in this, this series and as we've studied before, there are five things that Jesus did on a regular basis that, that came up for us to be the 5G life. Things that I think that he wants all of us to do on a regular basis to grow in our relationship with him. So the five G's are this, God, grow, gather, give, go. God, grow, gather, give, go. Again, we saw Jesus do that over and over again, something that God wants us to do as we're following Jesus. Now, we had wristbands that we handed out that capture the 5G life on them, and we had 400 of them, and they're gone. So if you want a wristband, wait a few weeks, and another shipment will come in. They'll be at the Connection Center. Um, But we've got a little card on your seat. I encourage you to grab that for just a second. I think this card can be very valuable in, in your life. I know it's valuable in my life. Um, So again, I wear this wristband to remind me of the process I need to be on on a regular basis, and I use it often to help evaluate how I'm doing in my relationship with God. And there are moments that I look down at this wristband and I realize, you know what, I'm not doing so well in that specific area, so I need to do a little bit better, and God uses it to guide me on my journey. So this little card, you can take it, you can keep it somewhere that help remind you of this process. Again, I really think that we should memorize this. I think you should memorize the five G's and memorize what each of them stand for. So here we go. Let me summarize it for you. So the first G is God. So God represents starting a relationship with him and then growing that through prayer. So if you're going to grow a relationship with anybody that you've just met, you grow that through conversation. So we need to talk to God and listen to him on a daily basis. Now, the second G is grow. So God wants us to grow by applying what we're reading in the Bible. So that means we have to read the Bible and that means we have to apply the Bible. We can't just read it and just gain more knowledge, we actually have to apply what we're reading to our lives. The third G is gather. So God wants us to gather with a small group of Christ followers to learn to live in biblical community. Fourth G, we looked at last week, is to give. God wants us to give of our time, our talents, and our resources to advance his kingdom in the world. And today we're going to look at the fifth G, which represents go. Go everywhere. Tell everyone about the life of Jesus. Use your words and use your life to do that. So again, I honestly think if we would memorize that, that little card, keep that card available or grab a wristband and wear that on a regular basis, I think something that simple can help us stay on track in our relationship with God and grow to be who God wants us to be. Now for today, we're gonna focus again on the, that go part And listen to the last words of Jesus, okay? So these are the final words of Jesus before he leaves planet Earth to go back to heaven. So this is after his death, burial, and resurrection. He gathers his disciples together and is gonna give them these last instructions. So if you would think you're gonna give somebody the last words, the last thing that you're gonna say before you don't see him for a really long time, you would think those words are gonna be incredibly important. So these words of Jesus are incredibly important, especially for those of us who are Christ followers. These, these words are still applicable to us today. All right, so in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said this to his followers. He said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, 
I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, Jesus' final words there can be summarized in one word that strikes fear into Christ followers and non-Christ followers alike. And that one word is this, evangelism. It's a scary word. You know, you can even say it and make it even more scary. So, you know, like if kids are coming up to your house at Halloween to get candy, just step out of the dark and say evangelism and they will run away in fear. All right, so evangelism is one of those things that scares many of us. I don't think God intended it to be that scary. So listen to what evangelism really means. The definition is to proclaim the good news about Jesus. So it just means to tell people the good news. The good news is this. Eternal life is available through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus died so you can live. That is great news. God wants us to go around and tell everybody about that news. But somewhere on the journey between Jesus speaking those words until today, we as Christ followers started becoming very afraid of this word evangelism. And there are several reasons why we are petrified of it. Take a look at this first one. So uh, we are afraid, I think some Christians are afraid that we'll end up like those guys on that video, that we'll end up like these Jesus freaks if we share our faith with other people, if we evangelize them. And you know that's one of the things that kept me from sharing my faith for many seasons in my life. Um, high school, I wrestled with that. College, I wrestled with that a little bit, did it here and there, but man, I struggled with sharing my faith because I didn't want to be labeled that Jesus freak that nobody wanted to hang out with. Now, get this. In college, I went to a Christian university, and I majored in psychology in my undergrad, and one of the classes uh, that we all had to take, I think it was because it was a Christian university, but we all had to take this class called evangelism, how to share your faith. And when I saw it coming up on the semester, I'm like, really? No, I don't want to take that class. Well, I had to take the class, so I took the class. And here was one of the major class assignments that you had to uh, evangelize so many people in that semester, and you had to write down all those interactions. You had to write it down as if I spoke to this person, this is what I said, this is what they said. You had to write all the story down, and you had to turn it in as a paper to be graded, and uh, you know, that would go into your final grade. Um, one of the aspects of that was there were certain percentage of that that needed to be called what's called cold turkey evangelism. I don't know if you've ever done that before, but it's like the funnest thing ever. So it means, if you're not familiar with that, it's go up to someone you don't know, start a spiritual conversation with them about Christ. Here was one of the, the questions that we were coached to ask to get the conversation started. So let's just pretend I don't know you, you don't know me, we're meeting each other, and I say, so good morning, uh, Mr. or Mrs. person I've never met before. If you were to die today, would you spend eternity in heaven or hell? So use that at your next office party. Like, like see how quick you can clear the room. So like, awkward. And uh, like, this is gonna be confessions of a pastor this morning, okay? So I lied in that class. I lied on that assignment. I did not evangelize the number of people I was supposed to evangelize. So here's what I thought. I, I rationalized to myself, our God is a forgiving God. So he's going to forgive me for lying to my professor uh, about making up stuff that didn't happen. So I would have conversations in my dorm room with people that did not exist, uh, just so I could write down, hey, this is what I said. This is what they said. So yeah, don't keep that between us, please. Don't tell anybody. I would, I would rather you know, not have to go through that class again. 
So one of the reasons we don't share our faith is we're afraid that we're going to be labeled Jesus freak. Another reason I think we don't share our faith is we are afraid that we don't know enough. So some of us think, you know, like, I don't even know how to get the conversation started. And I gave you a, a great question to ask, you know, just in case you wanted one. Um, but, you know, we're like, okay, but if I don't want that one, like, what, what else do I do? How do I get this conversation started? Or what if that person is defensive? What if they're upset with me when I bring that up? And they're like, hey, don't push your religion on me. What do I do then? Or how do I keep the conversation going? Or worse, what if they ask me a question I don't have an answer for? What do I do then? So sometimes we're afraid to share our faith because we're afraid that we don't know enough. So what I'd like to do with the rest of our time today is to talk about six ways that I think we can share our faith. I think there, there's simple ways that we can do that. And you know, thinking about God telling us, Jesus telling us to go into all the world and tell people about him and help people grow in that relationship with him, I don't think he wanted it to be as complicated as we make it out to be. And so I think there are some very simple things that we can do to share our faith with other people. The most important conversation we could ever have with somebody is, is to help them uh, begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. So here's the first way that we can do that. First way is to invite people to church. Just invite somebody to church. I think that's a, an easy way to help someone grow in their relationship. It's an easy way for us to start sharing our faith, to uh, start a spiritual conversation with somebody. So let's say you meet somebody at work and they're having a really difficult time. You could invite them to church. Say, hey, you should, you should come to my church. Meet somebody new um, in the community somewhere. Meet somebody in, in Walmart. Meet somebody uh, at Publix or wherever you're, you're shopping and you find out they've just moved to the area invite them to church. Like, hey, have you found a good church home yet? I'd love for you to come check out our church. So just invite somebody to church. Uh, Several weeks ago, I was driving uh, out of my neighborhood. Uh, I got up early that morning. I was on my way somewhere, had something that I wanted to do. Didn't have to do it, but I wanted to do it. And I was driving past one of my neighbor's houses, which is several, several streets over. And I don't always see this neighbor. He's not always out. And um, he usually stops and says hi to me when I'm out. And I stop and say hi to him when he's out. So he happened to be out that morning, the only person on the street. So I stopped and rolled my window down and said, hey, man, how you doing? He said, um, good. He said, you got a, got a minute? And here's what went through my mind. No, I don't. Like, I'm going somewhere. I want to do something this morning. But what came out of my mouth was, sure. So I pulled into his driveway, and I just knew, like, if I pull in, I'm going to be here a long time. And I was. Um, so I pulled in, and we were, I was there for an hour or more. And here's what you need to know about my neighbor. So my neighbor, he's probably in his late 50s, early 60s, single guy, and he's lived a very colorful life. And he likes to tell very colorful stories. So I'm there listening to my neighbor for a long time, and he's telling me some colorful stories, and I'm just there listening to my neighbor until he asked the question that I hate to be asked. He said, what do you do for a living? (laughs) Now, um, one of the reasons I'm not all that fond of that question is because of how people respond when I answer it. So it's not that I'm ashamed of what I do, but often when I answer the question, uh, things get weird. Uh, people say, hey, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a pastor. And then all of a sudden, it's like the conversation gets real awkward and they're not sure what to do. And they go, oh, okay, like, nice meeting you. I got to go. Um, or they start acting spiritual. 
They weren't a moment ago, but then all of a sudden they start acting spiritual and trying to show how much they know about the Bible or God or faith or whatever. I'm like, okay, that's just weird. So like, you don't have to change just because I said I'm a pastor. Um, So he says, "Uh, what do you do for a living? And my answer was, well, you know, I'm a pastor. Here's his response, pardon my French. But he said, oh no, I am for sure going to hell now. (laughs) And he was talking about the literal place. So um, I assured him that he wasn't going to hell uh, because of his colorful conversation with the pastor. Uh, you know, there's other ways that you get there. Um, so, um, so he's like, you got to be kidding me. I said, no, I'm not kidding you. And I said, hey, um, why don't you come to church? And he's like, no, thanks. I, I, don't, I don't do church. That's just not my thing. He changed the conversation. But he brought it back up later. So later in the conversation, he said, so do you like wear robes and stuff at your church? And I said, no, like we don't, man. Like it's a real casual environment. I think you'll like it. You can wear jeans and t-shirt or you can wear shorts and t- you can wear like, you, you would be comfortable coming in what you're wearing. And he's like, really? Like, yeah, like you, you would be comfortable coming just like you are. Now, do you want to know why I dress casually on Sundays? It's not because I'm more comfortable in this, but I am. It's because I want guys like my neighbor to feel more at ease when they come into church. And here's this crazy thing. I think the clothes that we wear can help people take a step towards God. I think the casual clothes that we wear can help people take a step towards God. And here's why. I've been told by people who I've I've invited to church, I can't come because I don't have church clothes. Isn't that terrible? I don't want anybody ever thinking, I can't come learn about God or hang out with God's people because I don't have a certain type of clothes to wear. So I love to be able to tell people, you can come any way you want. Like if you're comfortable in a dress, come that way. Uh, If you're comfortable in a tie, come that way. If you're comfortable in shorts and flip-flops, come that way. That doesn't matter. God is not concerned about what we're wearing when we walk into church on Sunday morning. What God's concerned about is that we're in church learning about him and how to have that change our lives. So that's why I dress casually on Sundays. So I invited my neighbor to church again. Said, hey man, really, no, really, you should come check us out sometime. And that time he didn't say no. Now nothing super spiritual happened out of that conversation, but here's what happened. A seed was planted There's a little seed planted in my neighbor's life. And here's what I hope, that one day we'll be able to have another conversation about faith in God. And one day I hope that, like if he's like struggling with some questions about faith or he has, you know, he needs somebody to talk to, I hope that he'll think, hey, that crazy bald guy that stops by every once in a while and says hi, like maybe I could go talk to him. I hope that one day he'll come to church. But most importantly, I hope that one day he'll put his faith and trust in Jesus as his Lord and Savior. That's the most important decision my neighbor could ever make in his entire life. And I hope that that seed grows to that spot where he can do that. So invite someone to church. Who around you could you invite? Who at home? Who in your neighborhood? Who at work? Who at school could you invite to come to church. Second way for us to share our faith is to live a life that people will want. So live an authentic Christian life in front of people who don't claim to be Christ followers. 
Now, there's an amazing story in Acts chapter 16 that demonstrates that. And I'm going to sprinkle some um, uh, biblical stories through the rest of what we're going to talk about today. Acts chapter 16 tells the story of a guy named Paul and a guy, guy named Silas. And Paul and Silas were in this town called Philippi. They were sharing their faith there. Um, they were being bold about it. They were telling people about Jesus. And they made some business leaders very angry. So get this, the, the dynamics of this. And whether you believe in this or not, I'm not sure. But here's the story. Um, there was a woman in the town who was demon-possessed, and there were business leaders who owned her. They were making money off of her and what she could do. Like, she could prophesy things that were going to happen, and they were making money off of her. Well, Paul and Silas got irritated with her following them around town, saying, these guys are here to tell us about the Messiah, how to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. So they got tired and turned around and cast the demon out one day. Leave her alone. And the demon was cast out, and the, and the business leaders were furious. That, that was their income. And so what they did was they took Paul and Silas, they beat them severely, they put them in prison. And they told the jailer, you better not let them escape. So they had worse in store for them. So, so get this, Paul and Silas, they're sitting in prison because they did some good thing for this lady. And you would have thought the community would be happy, but they weren't. So there they are sitting in prison and they decide to have a worship service. So they're praising God, they're singing, they're praying, they're, they're in chains, they're behind these iron uh, 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 doors. And at midnight that night, the Bible says there was an earthquake that opened all the doors. Now, what would you do if you were in prison and the doors opened? Would you walk out? I would. Paul and Silas didn't. Okay, they stayed there. All right, so the jailer wakes up and he, he sees the doors open. He assumes that they, all the prisoners left and he gets his knife out and says, I, I got to kill myself or I'll be dead tomorrow anyway. So he goes to kill himself and Paul goes, no, stop, don't, we're here. We haven't gone anywhere. So the jailer goes to Paul, goes to Silas. He falls on his knees and says, you have something that I don't have. You live with a peace. You have a confidence. You've got a joy. You have something that I need, that I want. So what must I do to get it? What must I do to be saved? So that night, Paul and Silas led this guy and his entire household into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So here's a humbling question for us. Do you have a faith that other people would want? Just think about that for a moment. As you're at work, as you're walking around your neighborhood, as you're at school, do non-followers of Jesus look at you and say, I wish I knew what he had. I wish I knew what she had. I need that. There's something in their life that helps me, that, that, that could help me. There's something that they have that I desperately need. I, I watch them go through difficulty, through struggle, and they're trusting God. They're tying their, their self back to truth. I mean, I, I'm just amazed at how they can walk through what they're walking through. I want that. So God wants all of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, to live a life that people on the outside of faith would say, I want that, and I need it. All right, a third way to share our faith is to tell your story. So if you're a believer in Jesus, you have a story. You have a God story. Uh, you, there's, there's something that happened in your life to get you to a spot where you put your faith in Jesus. So what is that? 
Tell people about that. Tell people why you put your faith in Jesus, how you put your faith in Jesus, what was happening in your life that got you to the point that you needed to do that. Now, John chapter nine captures an amazing story that that helps us uh, look at that. So uh, John chapter nine tells the story of a, a guy by the name, hold on, let me back up. I'm going too fast for myself. A guy who was born blind, okay? So we're not sure of his name. So a guy that was born blind. So all of his life, he'd been born blind. Now, guess what the community thought about him? Uh, They thought that his parents had sinned or he had sinned and that was his punishment. Can you imagine that? Imagine carrying that stigma on your shoulders that people think you've done something wrong just because you have some physical ailment. We'd lived with that all of his life. And so Jesus came along and healed the guy. All right, you, know, you would think that the community would have been so excited about that, and some of them were, but the religious leaders weren't. They were furious because Jesus broke one of their rules. He healed a guy on the Sabbath. So that was Saturday back then. So in our context, if somebody were healed on Sunday, that'd be like breaking a law. And so they were furious that Jesus had done that. So they took this guy and they kind of took it out on him and they interrogated him. They asked him all these deep theological questions and his answer was, listen, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have answers for that. Here's what I know. I was blind and now I can see. That's all I know. I was blind. For most of my life, I've been blind. I met Jesus and now I can see. That's my story. That's all that I know. So for us, what, what God wants us to do is tell our story. You don't have to answer all the complexities of, of scripture. You don't have to, to be able to answer for why there's bad things that happen to good people or why there's so much evil and suffering in the world. You don't have to, to have answers for that. What you do need to be prepared to do is tell your story. How did God transform your life? How has God worked in your life? Once I was blind and now I can see. Now, for some of you, God has done some amazing things in your life, and, and, and you have some very colorful God stories where God has saved you from drugs or alcoholism or, or something along those lines. And if that's your story, please don't be ashamed of that. Please don't hide from that. Please don't act like, well, that doesn't exist. I don't want anybody really to know that part of my story. If that's your story, tell it, and God will use it in powerful ways. Now, this is going to sound crazy, but for years of my life, uh, I was jealous of people who had very colorful God stories. So I would hear them share their story, you know, hey, God saved me from drugs and alcoholism. And I'd be like, darn it. That's cool. Like, why couldn't God save me from that? I mean, you know, my story's lame. And If that's your story, tell it. If that's not your story, don't be ashamed of that either. Don't make up a story, okay? Just tell your story and God will use your story to influence someone and help them find Jesus. Now, the next way that we can share our faith is to look for common ground with other people. So look for common ground with somebody else. Try to connect somebody else's story with God's story. So listen to how the Apostle Paul talks about this for himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So this is what Paul says. He says, even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people. Why? So that he can bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. 
Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles who don't follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of Christ. I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything so I can save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. So the Apostle Paul said, listen, I will try to find common ground with anybody that I'm interacting with. If I'm talking with a Jewish person, there's a certain way I find common ground with them to help them find Jesus. If I'm dealing with a Gentile, there's another way that I approach them. If somebody's weak, I mean, it doesn't matter what's going on in their world. I try to find common ground to connect them with God's story. Acts chapter 17 actually gives us a great example of what Paul was talking about. Paul was in a town called Athens, and he was telling people there about Jesus. And what he observed in Athens, what he observed about the Athenians was that they were a very intellectual group who liked to worship all these different gods. So they loved to have uh, intellectual debate and discussion. I mean, they loved that. So a new philosophy would come out and they would love to pull that apart and have those conversations about it. They didn't really want to apply all of it, but they would just love the conversation about it. They worshiped gods all over the place. And so they had these statues and shrines set up to all these different gods. And they even had a shrine set up to the unknown God, just in case they left one God out. They didn't want that to happen. You're like, hey, in case there's a God up there that we left him out and he's going to punish us, we'll set up a statue for him. So Paul's walking around their community. He notices all this, has a conversation with the church, with the the leaders, not the church leaders, but the city leaders. And he says, listen, I understand that you're a very spiritual group of people. I I, I can't help but notice all these shrines and and, uh, statues. You worship all these gods. And I noticed that you have a, a shrine to the unknown God. That's the God I serve. Let me tell you about him. So then he went on and he told them about the creator of the universe who wants a personal relationship with each of them. And many of the Athenians put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So Paul found common ground to help connect their story with God's story. And that's what God wants us to do. So how can you do that in your life? And you think about people at work, you think about people in your neighborhood, you think about people maybe at school that you go to school with. How can you find common ground with them to help connect their story with God's story. That's a great way to share our faith. Another way to share our faith is to be direct. We're getting a little bit harder here, okay? So sometimes the best way to share your faith is to just be direct with somebody. Be loving, be respectful, but be direct. So several years ago, I was having a conversation with a guy and he had all kinds of excuses for why he didn't want to put his faith in Jesus and was skeptical about all this stuff. And um, he'd studied a lot. He knew a lot about Christianity, but he just had all these reasons why he was keeping it at a distance. And I just felt God prompting me, just be direct with this guy. So I said, listen, like you've got all these excuses for why you won't put your faith in Jesus, but what's the worst thing that can happen if you just did? What's the worst thing that would happen? If you just said, you know what, I don't have all these answers, but I believe Jesus died so I can live, and you fully embrace that. He paused for a minute and said, I guess nothing. Moments later, he put his faith and trust in Jesus. And I've had the privilege of watching him grow spiritually since then. So sometimes the best approach is to just be direct with somebody. And maybe you've got somebody in your life that you know right now, you know what, the next step is for me to just be direct, have a conversation, be loving be respectful, but maybe you just need to be direct. Now, one more 
way that we can share our faith. Um, and then we're going to talk about communion for a moment. Um, the last way is for us to pray for opportunities and then to take them as they come. So we're not going to get better at this thing called evangelism if we don't practice if we don't practice and have conversations, it's not going to be possible if we don't try it and learn from it and then learn like, okay, that didn't go so well, so maybe I shouldn't do it like that next time. Maybe I'll, I'll learn a little bit here and learn a little bit more about scripture, a little bit more about how to find common ground to connect somebody to Christ. So we've got to practice. We've got to pray for opportunities to practice, and then we've got to take those opportunities as they come. So when I was in high school, uh, I got in a conversation with another classmate one day, and it was uh, a spiritual conversation, and she was of a different religion. And so we thought we would evangelize each other. And so we decided, hey, let's call each other tonight, and we'll just discuss our religions, and I'll, I'll defend mine, you defend yours. Well, so I went into that conversation thinking, I got this one. And I came out of that conversation like with my behind whooped. I mean, this girl smacked me up and down with all kinds of Bible truth and stuff that I wasn't prepared to have a conversation with. And what I learned was, I don't know enough about my faith. I thought I did, but I don't know enough about my faith. And I've got to learn how to have conversations like this. I've got to learn more about my faith and how to share it. Since then, I've had all kinds of conversations with people about faith. And God has taught me all the time. I'm always learning. He's still learning. When I have conversation with somebody, like, okay, if I'm talking with somebody in this category, this context, or, or this kind of season of life, then I could use this, and I could work in this direction to have this conversation, try to find common ground to help build them towards Christ. So God wants us to practice, and he wants us to, to do this again and again so we can get better at sharing our faith. So pray for opportunities and take them as they come. Now, one more thought before we take communion. Here's why this is so important. So for some of you, you may have been sitting here thinking like, okay, this is great, but I'm just gonna leave that to you know, pastors or those that are more spiritually mature. Like that's their thing, that's not my thing. Here's why it's our thing. Here's why it's for everybody. Because it has eternal consequences. Whether we have a conversation with somebody or not just might determine whether they spend forever in a real place called heaven or forever in a real place called hell. Now, I'm not all that big on uh, emotional pleas from pastors, but there are moments that it's very appropriate, and I feel like this is one of them. So if you're a Christ follower, I ask you to uh, imagine something with me, okay? So I just want you to imagine that you're on a, a road trip with a friend of yours, and that friend in the car does not believe in Jesus. Somebody you know, somebody you love, somebody you respect, but they don't believe in Jesus, and maybe you haven't shared your faith with them. Okay, so you're on this road trip and you get hit by a Mack truck. You're both dead, okay? So let's imagine for you, you are riding the escalator to heaven. I understand that's not theologically correct, but it's just an illustration, okay? So you're on the escalator, kind of slow moving, and you are going up to heaven. Now imagine your friend is on the escalator to hell, slow moving, and you know when you're in the mall or airport or whatever and you're crossing escalators, you can like look at those people for a while if you want to stare at them? So in the illustration, just imagine, here you are, you're going to your eternal home, and they are going to theirs. And imagine that moment where you look over and you lock eyes and you recognize each other. You're looking into the eyes of someone you love, someone you've known in your life, and they're about to spend an eternity apart from the God who loves them. 
what thoughts do you think they're going to think in that moment when they see you and where you're going? Maybe thoughts like, really, you knew. You had the answer for eternal life, and you were too afraid to share it with me. You thought that I would make fun of you, and that kept you from sharing the most important message that could ever be shared. You thought you didn't know enough, and that kept you from sharing. I'm about to spend eternity apart from the God who loves me. You couldn't get over that one. Now imagine the thoughts that you might have. Okay, so you're riding, you lock eyes with them. What might you think in that moment? I think we'll stand in the presence of God one second, if that, and wish we could come back and live differently. Wish we could come back and evangelize more. You know, out of the G's that we're looking at, this is one of the most critical ones because it has to do with people's eternity. And so I think we will just wish, I wish I would have invited people to church more. I wish I would have told my story. I wish I would have found common ground, like any common ground I could find with people to to invite them into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I wish I would have done more. So when we take communion today, what I would like you to do is I would like you to identify one person in your life that you know who doesn't know Jesus. And I would like you to pray for them. And I would like you to to determine to do whatever God leads you to do to help them take a step towards Christ. It's that important. Their eternity is on the line. So let's transition to communion. Uh, If you're new with us, uh, I want you to know that communion is open to anybody who's put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So if you have done that, you are invited and encouraged to participate in communion with us. Here's how we take communion here. Um, We're not gonna be bringing it to you. You might be used to that format, um, but you're gonna get the opportunity to go uh, to one of our tables and take communion. Uh, So we've got four tables set up here, two in the front, two in the back. And in a minute, I'm gonna read through some scripture passage and then I'm gonna pray. And when I finish, you're gonna be free whenever you're ready, if you wanna take communion, to get up from your seat and come to one of these tables. And when you come to the table, there are little pieces of bread, there's little cups of juice. I encourage you to grab a piece of bread, grab a cup of juice. You can go sit back down if you would like or you could just step to the side. And when you step to the side, I encourage you to pause for prayer. So pause and thank God. Thank you for leaving the splendor of heaven for me. I mean, you think about it, evangelism. Who's the greatest evangelist of all time? Jesus. And he did that for us. He was willing to face death for us. And so pause and just say, thank you for dying so I can live. And then turn your attention to that one person that you're thinking about. That one friend you have, that family member, that neighbor. Turn your attention on them and pray for them pray that they would come to know Jesus. Pray for yourself that you would do anything and everything you could to help them meet Jesus. And then uh, take communion after that. So go ahead and take communion on your own. When you're ready, we'll have a, a music video playing. So by the time that that video ends, everybody should be finished with communion. So hopefully that all makes sense. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says this. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, 
He took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray together. Lord, I am so grateful. We are so grateful. Jesus, you left the splendor of heaven to come here for us, to come show us how we could be reconnected with God the Father. Thank you for doing that. And Jesus, you've you've given us this great mission, the great commission, the greatest thing that we could be involved in in our lives of telling other people about you. So Lord, we've got all kinds of people around us. There's people at work, at home, at school, and in our community that we pass. There's people everywhere who don't know you and you've asked us as your followers to go and tell them. Tell them with our lives. Tell them with our words. So Lord, as we celebrate communion today, we want to focus on that one person in our life that doesn't know you. Just pray for them. Lord, I pray that that you would open their eyes and open their heart and open their ears to, to what it means to have a relationship with you. And Lord, you've placed us in their life to be a resource to them, not so somebody else can can tell them about Jesus, but so we can. So Lord, I pray for us that we would be bold, that we would find ways to, to discover common ground. We would invite them to church, that we would live a life in front of them that that they would want, they would be curious about the faith that we have. So Lord, thank you so much for dying so we can live. And Lord, send us out of here today with the passion to live that kind of life in front of other people so they can meet you. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this, amen. You are now free to take communion. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Epic Church. My name is Chris. I've got just a couple of quick announcements for you before we get on with our service. Uh, I do want to start off by saying that if you're new with us, I encourage you to pop on over to our Connection Center on the way out. We'll get a chance to meet you and make ourselves available to answer any questions if you may have. Now, uh, the food drive that we've been promoting all month has been just an awesome success. You know, I talked about it in first service and I went out there and the table was completely filled. The floor was completely filled. I don't know if we had enough room in the cars that we had out there. So that's just awesome. So thank you so much for your generosity. This particular food drive goes towards families right here in Flagler County in our own backyard that are in need. And sometimes we think Flagler County, people in need. Yes, there are people in need. There are kids that go from Friday to Monday with very little to eat because they're not at school to get breakfast and lunch. So thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your willingness to give back to people in our community. And we have one more week left in this food drive. So if you're able to, there are still bags available at the Connection Center on the way out. If you want to grab one, fill it up and bring it back next week, which will be the last week that we're collecting. So thank you again for everybody's participation. Uh, Let's talk about small groups real quick. Last week, we began our starting point and our five-week small group experience. Now, if you signed up for starting point and you did not get your materials or you're still interested in signing up for starting point, it is not too late. All I need you to do is to uh, see Tim Jones right after service. Tim Jones is going to be on the other side of those curtains by the Connection Center. You guys know him, goatee glasses, if, if you forget what he looks like. He'll be there. He'll take care of you. Go see him. 
If you want to get involved in the five-week small group experience, it is not too late. Although it started last week, we're still taking people. So all I need you to do is this. If you want to be part of a men's group, a woman's group, or a couple's small group, show up at Palm Coast Community Church today. That's right there at the corner of Palm Coast Parkway and Pine Lakes Parkway. Show up at 4 o'clock. It'll run till 5.30. We will provide childcare for grades 6 and below. All you need to do is show up. We'll get you signed up, and we'll move along from there. Some of you may see that I'm wearing my 3G shirt, and this is our annual event that we do, a 3G Sunday here at Epic. If you've been coming for a while, you hear us talk about the 5G life. Well, the 3G is we incorporate three of them. It's a gather, go, and give. And what we're looking to do on October 18th is we're going to do church in a different way. We're not actually going to come and sit down and listen to Trent or, or Tim or Evan and the worship team. We're going to come here. We're going to get together, and we're going to go out and serve our community. We're going to be the church that day. We've got 18 projects that we're looking at, things from building and painting and spending time with people and praying. There's too many to list. So if that's something that interests you, go to our website, theepicchurch.com. Look at all of the different 18 projects. A lot of them have only a certain amount of uh, numbers that we can take for them, so get signed up early. We're looking for 300 volunteers this year. We usually set the bar pretty high. We usually do pretty well with meeting those goals. So I'm challenging you, 300 people, 18 projects, October 18th. We're going to go out and be the church that day in Flagler County. So be a part of that. It'll be really, really cool. And, you know, sometimes when it comes to an event like that, it is easy, easier, not easy, because it's never easy to give you time, but it's a little bit easier to give you time than it is something like your finances. But God says, you know what, we should be giving back a portion of our finances to the church to help support what that church does. So if you've taken that leap of faith and you've chosen to partner with Epic Church financially, there's two ways you can do that. You can visit our website, give securely online, or at the end of the seating sections, we've got some boxes set up. You can utilize those as well. So that's about it for me. I just ask you to sit back, relax, or go ahead and watch this video.